Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Can let that down a little? Can it go down a little bit? Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Bijana Balaba Girivada Dari Jai Go Pijana Balaba Girivada Dari Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tiravanachari Yamunati Ravanachari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Balaba Girivada Dari Jai Gopijana Balaba Girivada Dari Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Yamunati Ravanachari Yamunati Ravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari 
Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Vishnu Pad Paramahamsa Priyiva Jakacharya Astotada Sata Shri Shri Mad His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Jayam Vishnupad Paramahamsa Priyavajakacharya Astotada Satya Shri Srimad, His Divine Grace, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki, Ananta Kodi Vaishnava Brinda Ki, Namacharya Srila Haridasta Kur Ki, Primsakoho Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadidhar Sri Vasadi Gaur Bhakti Brinda Ki Jai, Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Gaur Primanandi. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. So, what's verses on there? Is it 30? Verse 30? Yeah, okay. So we're continuing uh, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, chap- uh, Canto 12, Chapter 11, Text Number 30. And a summary description of the Mahapurusha. So we'll chant the verse. Eka eva hilokanam Surya Atmadi Krit Darahi Sarva Veda Kriya Mulam Rishbir Badhu Rishbir Badhu Dodita Eka Eva Hiloka Nam Surya Atmadi Krid Darihi Sarva Veda Kriya Mulam Rishbir Badhu Doditaha Eka Eva Hiloka Nam Surya Atmadi Krid Darihi Sarva Veda Kriya Mulam Rishbir Badhu Doditaha Ekaha One Eva Only He Indeed Lokanam Of the worlds Surya The sun Atma Their soul Adikrit, the original creator. Hari, the personality of Godhead. Hari, oh, I'm sorry, the personality of Godhead, Hari. Uh, Sarva Veda, and all the Vedas. Kriya, of the ritualistic activities. Mulam, the basis. Rishabhi. 
by the sages, Bahuda, variously, Uditaha, designated. So translation, the sun god, being non-different from Lord Hari, is the one soul of all the worlds and their original creator. He is the source of all the ritualistic activities prescribed in the Vedas and has been given many names by the Vedic sages. So please repeat. The sun god, being non-different from Lord Hari, is the one soul of all the worlds and their original creator. He is the source of all... He is the source of all the ritualistic activities prescribed in the Vedas and has been given many names by the Vedic sages. So there's not a purport for like the whole rest of this chapter. Should I just, uh, I'm going to leave it up to you. What do you think? Let's read the next verse, maybe one more verse. And Okay. Okay. So we'll read one more verse uh, and then... We'll try to speak something uh, because there's there's not a purport for a long time. So text number thirty one, Kalo desaha kriya kartaha karanam karyam agamaha dvabyam palam iti brahman navad hokto jaya hari. Being the source of the material energy, the personality of Godhead, Lord Hari. <coughs> excuse me. And his expansion as a sun god is described in nine aspects. Osanaka, the time, the place, the endeavor, the performer, the instrument, the special ritual, the scripture, the paraphernalia of worship, and the result to be achieved. Shri Chaitanya Manobhistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vanchakapa Trubyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyebacha Patitanam Pavanye Bhyo Vaishnava Bhyo Namon Maha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, <coughs> Krishna describes how the time factor causes the material creation. And it says that the Supreme Lord in his feature as the transcendental Purusha incarnation, who is the Lord's plenary expansion, impregnates the material nature of the three modes. And thus, by the influence of eternal time, the living entity is peer, a living entity is pure. So time is described as the Lord's glance on the material nature. Um, and it initiates the, this creation process. And we know that the mode of passion creates and the mode of ignorance destroys. And within this material world, due to this mode of passion, uh, we all take birth. And, and we start to grow. And due to the mode of ignorance, at the same time, we're also being destroyed. So when Krishna, in the form of time, when he enters into the material world, um, along with material nature, it actually pushes forward these, these three modes. And it's actually like the... Um, I guess you would call generating force that really starts everything to to start moving. It uh, it kicks everything into gear. I guess you would say this time factor. So time is also Krishna, um, and Krishna in the form of time, he's taking away our life 
second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, and day by day, and so on. Um, And the thing is that we can't even see how this is happening. Uh, So one of the main functions of the time factor, uh, which is said is is, um, a representative of of Supreme Personality of Godhead, one of the main uh, factors is actually to destroy everything. So therefore, time is the worst enemy for someone that's actually attached to this material concept of life. Because the worst enemy is what? Is that, is that enemy that you really can't defeat. Uh, because when you're in a battle, you can see who your enemy is, and you can hopefully try to fight him and try to defeat him. Um, but Krishna, in the time, as a form of time, he's invisible. We can't see him. We can't, can't uh, touch him. We can't hear him. Uh, and we know that in the history of this universe that there's no one that has ever defeated this, uh, this time factor uh, um, because eventually all of us, everyone has to die. And so, um, therefore, this, this time factor is, it cannot be defeated. But Krishna, he actually, by this uh, Srimad Bhagavatam and, uh, and the Bhagavad Gita and all these different scriptures we have, he gives us this knowledge on how we can actually uh, overcome this, this time factor. And we know that gan, gan means knowledge, and, and not just ordinary knowledge. Uh, uh, in our daily lives, uh, we have so many questions that we want answers to. Uh, and most of the questions that we have involve our day-to-day survival, uh, like, um, uh, you know, talking about our job, or we're talking about uh, family, or we're talking about politics, or sports. I like to talk about sports, uh, and so on. So, But the scriptures, they urge us to ask uh, much deeper type of questions, like, who am I, and uh, what is really the meaning of life, and uh, what happens when I die, uh, and you know, what, what is the soul, uh, and where does the soul go once, once the body passes away? Because these are all questions that, that uh, are, if we ask these, then we're actually in the realm of real knowledge, uh, real Gantt. Um, so, but we have to also, at the same time, we have to be careful because you can get stuck in this world. Uh, you can, people spend lifetimes uh, speculating and searching and searching and still really doing nothing but just playing games in their mind. Uh, and the Vedic literature, therefore, it, it gives us guidance on the path of knowledge. Uh, it gives us an access to the thoughts and all the realizations of, of the great sages who we know have already been through this territory. Uh, they have already seen the truth. Uh, and this type of knowledge will start to bring us from actually from the point of speculation to the point of actual knowledge and from the point of wondering how things are to the actually seeing them and from seeking to actually finding the truth. Um, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the fourth chapter, Krishna tells Arjuna, he says, the mystery of the Bhagavad Gita is very confidential. He said, without one's becoming a pure and unalloyed devotee of mind, it's very difficult to understand. So, Srila Prabhupada says there's over 650, and that was back then, so probably much more different commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita. So, if we, when we give someone a Bhagavad Gita when we're on book distribution, how is it that they can make advancement if it's just, just like it just says, that they can't understand it? How can they make advancement from it? Uh, well, Krishna then says in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he tells Arjuna that those who take shelter in me, though they be of lower birth, can attain the supreme destination. 
And Srila Prabhupada, he says, anyone can actually understand the Bhagavad Gita, provided they understand the, it according to the principle. So what is that principle that Srila Prabhupada's talking about? Who can say what that principle? He says, you can understand the Bhagavad Gita if you understand it according to the principle. What would be that principle, Narutam Prabhu? Exactly. Um, he says, and what is that principle? It's evam parampara praptam imam vajarsayo vidu. That the, Bhagav- that the Bhagavad Gita must be accepted through disciplic succession. You must accept a spiritual master and, uh, and take instruction from him. So while seeking real knowledge, um, there are two processes that we can actually use. Um, one is called the inductive approach. Uh, and the other is called the deductive approach. Um, so the inductive knowledge is called the bottom-up theory. Um, in this approach, we observe, we observe the world through our sense organs, like through our eyes and through our um, um, different senses, our ears, our nose, everything. We observe the world through that. Uh, and then our mind and intelligence, they, they come up with conclusions uh, and observations because we know the mind is actually the center of all our senses. And what do the senses do? They help the mind just gather all types of information. So modern scientists today, what they use, they use this approach, uh, this in, inductive approach, because they gather all this information they can, and then they propose theories and about the origin of the universe, about what life is all about, how different things come, are created. Um, but we know that our sense organs... Um, they have limitations, and one of the four def- defects of, uh, is that we have imperfect senses. Uh, so, therefore, these senses, you can't really understand God simply by speculating with your mind. So, that's the inductive approach to knowledge. So, the other process is called the deductive approach, or it's called the top-down approach, um, whereby knowledge comes down from a superior source, um, Every one of us uh, starts getting this deductive knowledge right from the time that we're born. Um, we get it uh, from authorities like uh, guidance from our parents. We get it from our teachers. We get it from our friends. And we certainly get it from our wives uh, so much. Uh, so this is uh, the deductive approach where it's uh, from the top down. Uh, Srila Prabhupada would sometimes give the example, if someone's trying to find out if you want to know who your father is, you can use one of these two approaches. Um, if you use the inductive approach, then you would have to find out, okay, where was my mother when I was conceived? Um, and you have to do what they call a DNA test on every man in that city to try to find out, okay, who is my father? And, and, then, and then it's still not totally uh, uh, correct. It may not, may not be correct. Or you can actually use the deductive approach, and the deductive approach is you just go and ask your mother because your mother is the authority. So, so that's what's the uh, deductive approach. Now, most people today, they want knowledge so they can make more money. Uh, that's the main reason most people want knowledge today. Um, there's a, there was once, this was a joke, there was once a college professor, uh, and he was having a faculty meeting. And so while he was having this meeting, uh, he was the dean of the college. This angel came over, and angel told him that you can have one of three things. You can have knowledge, you can have fame, or you can have $25 million. 
So immediately the uh, dean said, I'll take the knowledge. So the agent went, zap, okay, you got the knowledge. And so he's sitting there kind of stunned. And so all the other professors are saying, okay, come on, now that you have knowledge, say something that profound that we can hear. And he looked at him and he said, I should have taken the money. So, so that's what people, that's what people want today is, is that type of, uh, that type of knowledge. So we can see that the logical way to obtain real knowledge is through this deductive approach. Um, um, should I tell another joke? Um, <laughs> um, this, this is kind of a crude example of what the inductive and deductive approach is, is, uh, kind of an example of it. There was once this Indian chief, and he his tribe came to him and wanted to know if it was going to be a cold winter, and so he hadn't he didn't know that he hadn't learned the deductive approach to where the, he got the knowledge from the other chiefs handed down. He didn't know that, so he told him, "Yeah, I'll just go ahead and gather some wood." And then so he decided he was going to call the National Weather Service, and which usually uses the uh, inductive approach. But uh, so he called them and they said, yeah, it's going to be a cold winter. So he called the tribe back and he said, you need to gather more wood. So they went out and started gathering more wood. And then he called the weather service again and they said, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really cold winter. So he called the tribe back and he said, okay, gather all the wood you can. Get every piece of wood you can get. So then later on, he called the National Weather Service, and they said, it's going to be one of the coldest winters in history. And he said, and he said how do you know that? And he said, because the Indians are gathering wood like crazy. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the inductive and deductive approach. So, um, so we can see that the logical way to obtain real knowledge uh, is through this deductive approach. Uh, we have to learn from higher authorities. Um, who already know these answers to, to life's questions. So how do we know actually who are these higher authorities? Well, Krishna himself, he tells us that these authorities are guru, sadhu, and shastra, our spiritual master and, and the great personalities, and this Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. And Srila Prabhupada says that they're like the three legs of a tripod. Uh, they're together supporting the knowledge of absolute truth. Um, because it, it doesn't, we don't discourage people from asking questions uh, to clarify any doubt that they may, they may have. Um, and it involves using our mind and our intelligence uh, with a proper understanding that, that they do have limitations. Uh, so this Vedic knowledge, it's, it's described as being complete because it, it removes all doubt. And the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam, they're the essence of all Vedic literature. So... In the beginning of Vedic knowledge, one comes to, they, we start to understand that actually we're, we're a spirit soul, that we're, we're pure consciousness, we're above the body, we're above the mind. And we start to see that, you know, if we tell our mind to uh, move our hand, raise our hand, we raise our hand. Uh, yet we know, we still uh, know that the body and the mind are different from the actual soul. Uh, and this understanding is called self-realization. But this self-realization, it's not the end, uh, because unless we get stuck, we, we come to understand that, that, that our own consciousness, our own spiritual existence is really not the end. Uh, it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. There are actually other living entities out there, and there's like a whole material cosmos out there. So Krishna explains that cultivating so many varieties of, rid, of uh, knowledge 
when one finally comes to the perfection of true knowledge, our spiritual knowledge, one understands simply that Krishna is the source of everything that exists. And whatever we learn, even in the schools or jobs or throughout a life, we should be conscious of the fact that Krishna is the source of all of this. And that ultimately all of this is meant to be brought back uh, or offered back to, to the Lord, back to its source. And Srila Prabhupada, he would give the example sometimes like the ocean. Um, the ocean, it evaporates and it goes up into the atmosphere and it becomes a cloud. And then the cloud uh, is carried by the wind and it uh, makes rain and then the rain comes down and the rain forms rivers. And these rivers, they ultimately flow back to the ocean. So in the same way, all this knowledge that we have, everything that exists, uh, it, it comes from Krishna. And so when we utilize this knowledge, like this holy rivers, to bring it back to the source, um, back to Krishna, then that's called bhakti. That's called bhakti yoga. Uh, and that's called real knowledge, how to use everything for the purpose of Krishna consciousness. And we should understand that knowledge without understanding where it has come from and how it's supposed to be used, this is really not knowledge. It's, it's actually called ignorance. But when we understand that the source of everything, the source of the body and the source of the earth and the source of everything that exists, uh, that's real knowledge. And Krishna says, all things in the spiritual world and all things in the material world are coming from me alone. And the wise who know this perfectly engages all these things in my service and worship me, worships me with all their heart. So this is the beginning of knowledge, to understand that God is the source of everything that exists. So what is the end of knowledge? Uh, well, the end of knowledge is to know how to use everything, how to use all these things for Krishna's pleasure. Uh, and that's the process that we're learning to, uh, by studying the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and that's called real knowledge. Uh, so if we, we utilize all our education, our occupation, our time with this, this understanding that is ultimately meant to be offered back to Krishna, just like the rivers back to the ocean, then this will actually reawaken our natural love. Our, our, we all have this dormant love in our heart. And by doing these, these things, performing devotional service, chanting Hare Krishna, uh, studying these literatures, this is what awakens this dormant love that we have in our heart. Um, so Krishna tells us that when you really come to the platform of true knowledge, you'll understand that I am the cause of all causes and I'm all that is. And upon knowing this, you naturally, out of love, you desire to worship me and to surrender to me. And that's the real goal of life. But Maya has an enemy that uh, can, um, can obstruct us in trying to do this. Uh, and one of Maya's greatest enemies is called doubt. Um, in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, But ignorant and faithless persons who doubt the revealed scriptures, do not obtain God consciousness. He says, for the doubting souls, there is happiness neither in this world nor in the next. So, Srila Prabhupada, he compares doubt to darkness. Uh, and because of darkness, what comes? When you're in the dark, what happens? Well, you, you naturally get a little bit afraid. Uh, there's fear. And when there's fear, you can't have peace of mind. Uh, and so why is it people are afraid of the dark? Uh, because... When it's dark, you don't, you can't see what's around you. You can't see who's, who's coming at you, who's coming from behind you. So naturally, you're afraid in the dark. So therefore, 
when it's dark, we're, we're all in the, and actually in a state of doubt. Uh, like I said, we can't see anything that's around us. So darkness and doubt are, are considered synonymous. And light and knowledge are considered synonymous. So light means to know, to see, to understand what is what. And Srila Prabhupada, he used to say that one definition of acharya is one who knows what is what, or one who knows the truth, one who's actually in the light. And knowledge, it creates this faith. This faith. And, and where there's faith, Srila Prabhupada says, you can't, there can't be any actually uh, uh, unhappiness or distress. Uh, but he also says we're not talking about blind faith. We're talking about faith based on the truth. Now, we know that within the Vedas, when we, when we read all these things that Krishna does, uh, he does so many wonderful uh, uh, pastimes like lifting Govardhan Hill, uh, killing so many demons, uh, so many wonderful activities. And sometimes we become doubtful. Uh, you know, how can someone actually lift a mountain uh, our, even in our lives, we can maybe start to think like, well, you know, do I really need to wear a dhoti or, or uh, uh, sorry to the temple? Or do I really need to follow ikadashis? You know, uh, is that really necessary? So these are all are things that, that cause doubt in our mind. Um, and so uh, sometimes we, you know, someone may become doubtful. And this is the power of maya. Uh, but we know that the, the Scripture is actually the Word of God. Uh, it's Krishna speaking. And by understanding Scripture, then we can all be delivered from doubt. So this, this power of doubt is one of Maya's, it's one of her, her biggest weapons. Uh, there was once a story, everyone knows Garuda. This is Garuda up here um, that carries Lord Vishnu. Uh, um, so once Garuda, uh, when Lord Ramachandra was fighting uh, Ravana, well, uh, Indrajit came out, and Indrajit actually uh, defeated uh, um, Lord Ram, and he had this snake weapon, weapon, uh, and he actually threw this snake weapon, and it wrapped Lord Ram up, and Lord Ram couldn't move. Uh, so he called on Garuda to come and, and release him. So all snakes are afraid of Garuda. So when Garuda came, he released Lord Ram, and then Garuda started to think, well, if Lord Ram is the supreme personality of Godhead, why did he call, have to call me to, to save him, to release him from this snake? So he started to have this doubt in his mind. Is Lord Ram actually the supreme personality of Godhead? So then he, later on, he heard that uh, Krishna was actually performing his pastimes in Vrindavan. So he thought he would go there. He wanted to see some of his pastimes. And when he went there, he hid. And he was watching Krishna and the cowherd boys. And Krishna would kill, one day he would kill this huge demon, and then later on he'd be fighting with the cowherd boys wrestling, and they would defeat him. And he was thinking, he understood then that these are all just part of Krishna's pastimes, that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. So he went to, to Krishna, and he offered his obeisances and asked for forgiveness for doubting him. And so the boys, um, so then Krishna got on Garuda's back, and they flew around Vrindavan. And so the cowherd boys saw them, uh, saw Krishna flying around and with Garuda. But they started arguing about one, one of the cowherd boys was saying that wasn't Krishna because Krishna's not Vishnu, so that can't be him. And the other boy was saying, no, that, that was Krishna on Garuda's back. So they were arguing back and forth. And so um, to settle their argument, all of a sudden Sridam, um, he turned into Garuda 
And Krishna turned into Vishnu and he got on uh, uh, Sridham's back. And they flew around Vrindavan just to settle the argument between the cowherd boys. So the point is, is that even Garuda, who's Vishnu's carrier, even he had doubt at some time. Uh, and Krishna was able to to um, conquer this doubt. Um, so, so when Arjuna, we know when, when Arjuna, when he approaches Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, what does he call Krishna? He calls him Madhusudana. So because Madhu... Uh, was a demon, actually. Uh, that was the name of one demon. And this demon appeared before the beginning of creation. Uh, it's described that when Lord Brahma was creating uh, this universe, uh, the Vedas actually uh, appeared through the heart of Lord Brahma. And that sound vibration that appeared to Lord Brahma uh, was stolen by this Madhu. And so Arjuna, he's saying that this same demon is causing doubt in my heart. And it's causing so much pain and bewilderment. He's asking Krishna, please, Krishna, kill this Madhu demon. Kill this demon of doubt that's come within my heart. And so how did Krishna, how did he kill this demon of doubt within, uh, within Arjuna's heart? Well, he killed it with a very, very powerful weapon. And what was that weapon? That weapon is transcendental sound vibration. Uh, by hearing transcendental sound, says even, Prabhupada says, even mountains of doubt and fear and illusion can all be dispelled. Uh, because the word of God, there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. It's the most powerful thing in, in, in all of existence. So Arjuna, he heard the, the, the Bhagavad Gita from Krishna, and that transcendental sound vibration, uh, it completely enlightened Arjuna, and it brought him to the purified platform of knowledge. And Krishna until he actually saw that Arjuna was, was humble and was, was actually ready to hear the truth, Krishna didn't bother saying a word until Arjuna was at that point of, you know, completely surrender, I'm ready to actually hear what you have to say. And we find out that through history that this is how spiritual knowledge or transcendental knowledge, this is how enlightenment is pretty much always imparted. Uh, it's through spiritual sound. It says, when Jesus was speaking, he said, for those who have ears, let them hear. And then we know at the very end of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, he asked Arjuna, he says, so now, what is your position, Arjuna? And Arjuna says, now all my doubts have been dispelled. Uh, I'm totally convinced. I'm totally enlightened. And I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to do anything uh, you ask. I'm a surrendered soul at your lotus feet. And Krishna says to Arjuna, what does he say to him? It's that famous verse at the, uh, in the 18th chapter. He tells Arjuna, just abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender to me and don't be afraid. Uh, and, and we know in the Srimad Bhagavatam that we're studying now, how is Maharaj Pariksha, how is he being enlightened by Sukadev Goswami? It's through this powerful weapon of sound vibration. Hearing from the great souls is a medicine that heals us from the disease of doubt and illusion. This is the inductive knowledge that we were, I mean, deductive knowledge that we're talking about. We hear it from the, from the higher authorities. Uh, and it's described in the third canto how Krishna, he, he creates this world. He creates it all on the basis of sound vibration. And the great acharyas like Srila Haridas Thakur, he says, There is no more effective and powerful means of destroying the demons of doubt within our hearts than the chanting of the holy names of God and the association of his devotees, uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam. And Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he wrote that, he reasons ill who thinks that Vaishnavs, great devotees, die, 
They live forever through the sound vibration of their teachings and their example. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada says that by associating with great souls and hearing from them, the doors to liberation are, are open for everyone. Uh, but then he says, but by associating with and hearing from those people who are too much attached to the material world, different doors are open. This, these are the doors that lead us deeper and deeper into ignorance. So therefore, to understand the truth, we have these scriptures, uh, which explain that the absolute truth reveals who God is and how things are working in this world under his control. They're actually the science books that's uh, revealed by God or Krishna himself. Just like we all know if we buy um, like a computer, uh, what comes with a computer? It comes an instruction manual that tells us how to operate, how to set this computer up, how to, how to get the best results from it. So in the same way, these scriptures, the Srimad Bhagavatam, this Bhagavad Gita, uh, they're the instruction manual for us on how we have to live within this world and how we can try to get the best results uh, out of this world. So Krishna and all the great acharyas and teachers of all the bona fide scriptures, uh, they've, taught, uh, they've taught us this principle that we are actually eternal souls and that we're all actually blissful, we're kind, and we're loving by nature. Um, but he, Srila Prabhupada also says you can't like immediately rise to this stage of pure loving devotion. It's, it takes a whole lifetime of devotion to come to this point or maybe many lifetimes. But it begins with faith and reverence. And by practicing this process of bhakti yoga, uh, it will have results. It's Prabhupada has promised us this. Krishna has, has says this in the scriptures, that if we just follow the process, if we uh, chant Hare Krishna, if we associate with the devotees, if we study the, uh, the scriptures, then this reverence, this awe and reverence that we have it's going to turn into pure love uh, because that's what Krishna wants. Krishna says all over the world people are offering me awe and reverence. He said what he, what he really wants is, is pure love. And Srila Prabhupada says this is the unique quality of this Krishna consciousness movement. It's one of the only movements that can actually give us this pure love for God. And so the Bhagavad Gita, it describes that we, we've been moving up and down in this planetary systems like a Ferris wheel. Uh, well, since time immemorial, and we are not making really making any progress uh, because it's not progress because we're all still here. Uh, so we're just going like a merry-go-round, I mean, like a Ferris wheel, up and down and up and down. So this type of behavior of going up and down and back and forth, this is called praviti marg, or the path of material enjoyment. And it's, we know, uh, being in this material world, there's little sparks of happiness, but there's really no happiness in the material world. And that's what we're all seeking. We all want to be peaceful. We all want to be happy. We all want love. And so this material enjoyment means that we're going to have to suffer in the future for it. Material enjoyment comes with a really, really heavy material price. But spiritual enjoyment, it has no bad reactions. So devotional life, it not only gives us transcendental pleasure... Uh, and at the same time, it stops our material or ends our material suffering. Srila Prabhupada says that service to man is not necessarily service to God, but service to God is service to man. So how many of us have, I know I feel this way, and how many, how many of you actually felt that, okay, I've been chanting for, you know, 10 years, 20, 15 years, 20 years, I've been coming to the temple but still, I don't feel like I'm making really much advancement. Anybody else feel that way? Okay. Um, well, 
I, I heard someone say this once, give this example, and I thought it was such a great example. Um, there's a tree in China called the Chinese maple tree. And they go and they plant the seed of this uh, Chinese maple tree. And every day they have to go and water this tree for six years. Six years they get no results. Nothing comes up out of the ground. So, but every day they go and they still water this tree over and over again. But after six years, all of a sudden, this plant just sprouts up and it grows to like 10 feet in six months. So this is like our spiritual life. Uh, we're, we're practicing, we're watering that seed when we're chanting and when we're uh, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam and associating with devotees. So we keep watering that seed and we don't realize it, but actually that plant is actually growing in our heart. It's purifying our heart. So just keep... Srila Gurdav used to say, just uh, slow and steady wins the race. So just stay in the race. Just keep keep chanting. It's it's guaranteed by Srila Prabhupada. It's guaranteed by the scriptures that you will develop love for God if you follow this process. It's a proven process. Uh, so we have to just keep following this process. Um, and one day, um, it will blossom out. Uh, and um, so... Getting back to this, uh, back to the verse, uh, we know that Krishna says he comes as, as the time factor. And so um, we have to utilize our time as much as possible. We all have to work. We have to support our family. We have to do certain things. But as much as possible, we should we try to dovetail that back to Krishna. We should try to always try to remember Krishna. Because Krishna's energy of time, it can be our best friend. Uh, or it can be our worst enemy. It depends on how we actually use this time. So, so I thank everyone for coming. Um, and I have to run pretty quick, but uh, ask does anyone have any uh, comments or questions? Uh, anyone? No time, you don't have a question. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for coming. Uh, so please try to, uh, and during your day today, try to remember Krishna. When you uh, see the blue sky, remember Krishna's blue. When you drink water, used to, when we used to drink water in the beginning, we would always say Sri Vishnu, Sri Vishnu, Sri Vishnu before we took anything. So that's another way to remember Krishna. Whenever you hear a sound, the sound vibration is Krishna. So all during the day, we should try to think of Krishna as much as possible. So thank you very much. Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.